Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. In this interview, I'm talking to Colby Drew. Now, Colby was, when I first met him, nothing more than the guy who was building a deck around a couple of hot tubs that I had bought. That itself was very difficult because there were no angles that were anywhere near square at any part of the deck. But he's a good deck builder and he knows what he's doing. As I was talking to him, I told him about manalizing and he said, yeah, I have a story and I would interview. So I'm like, sure, why not? And man, this guy has a story. This man has seen the deepest of pits. He's been there for years. And he also is on top of the mountain. He is a very bright light. Put your hard hat on. Here we go. I've been building decks for probably six or seven years now. So I've done several hundred of them. And the thing with your deck is we're going in between two hot tubs and we couldn't pour puddings. So we had to get creative in how we were going to do our framework. So instead of using, we're basically using four by six beams for ledger boards all across the deck. So it was a, it was a fun one. And I, from my understanding, Julie said you had a couple guys show up and no one wanted to take the project because they didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing I'm happy about is I'll, I'll take on the challenge. It's been a challenge, but it's been fun. So you get the man card for, uh, for being the guy that does what nobody else can do or wants to do or is willing to do or is yeah, capable yeah. of doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, what does that do for your man card? Uh, well, I just, I, I just think in life, like, you know, it, just, just getting out of my comfort zone is where growth happens. Mm-hmm. So instead of just taking, you know, sticking to what's comfortable, actually growing, putting myself out there is what I like to do. And that's how I, that's how I grow. Okay. So it's about growth. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, when you're not building decks, you said you, you're, you're just getting a house. Yep. We just closed. We actually close tomorrow when we move on Tuesday because Monday's July 4th. So we're moving in on Tuesday of next week. Okay. So the money that you're making now, is it going to show up on any bank statements that the lender cares about? Uh, so we're starting out and we're doing the house in my wife's name. So okay. not any of the paperwork right now. But you're still doing thousand hour days just to build up the bank account a little bit. Yeah, I, I've got to put the so the way we had to do it is I have to gift her the down payment. So I'm paying the down payment. I have to sign a letter that I'm gifting it to her. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're getting away with doing that. <laughs> well, and I have to admit I did the same thing. You know, I uh, when when we got this house, and this is no small house. No, this is a beautiful house. Um, I. I decided as a strategy that only one of us was going to qualify for this house. You know, we, we, we didn't want to both do this. So this is in her name. And what does that do to you? Does that do anything to you knowing that it's her house? No, I see. I used to think I would be insecure if my wife was making as good as money or better money than me. Uh huh. But I don't feel that way anymore. Like she never throws it in my face. She makes good money. I make, we both make good money. Right. But I don't think I would allow that at this point in my life with my relationship where I, I don't think I would allow that to, I don't think I would allow myself to feel less of a man because she's making more money than I am or making the same amount of money as I am. Cause she's, a, she's amazing at what she does. What does she do? She is a VP of sales at a software company. So in the solar industry, solar is a really big industry right now. Right. Uh, she works for a company that creates software for the salesmen of a bunch of different solar companies to simplify their sales process. Uh-huh. So she's been in that industry for uh, going on five or six years now. And she's built up a great reputation. So she's never had a problem finding a job in the industry. <laughs> so, yeah, my wife, uh, she qualified for this home. She, she built it. She made all the choices. And this was an agreement that I made with her. I was like, I've built homes before. I feel like you lose a year of your life every time you do. Uh, So you can have your home, but you're going to build it. You're going to make the choices. You're going to do the supervision. Don't ask me about plumbing. Don't ask me about flooring. Don't ask me about paint colors. I don't want to hear about the lighting. Yeah. (laughs) It's. I was like... You can do it, but you do it, and you'll pay for it. And she could. Yeah. And she can. 
And uh, because I gave her that much rain and because she can, she built a pretty nice home. This, this home is amazing. This home is absolutely amazing. And uh, I just get to live here almost kind of <laughs> sort of rent free. <laughs> yeah, I've had my, my wife's been doing all the stuff with the house as far as uh, following up with the real estate guy, the uh, the lenders. I just said, hey, that, that's your deal. Whatever you got, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the cash, but you, you got to work it out because I'm busy working during the day. I don't have time to do phone call after phone call after phone call about talking to these different guys. Uh huh. So. I put her in charge of that, kind of like you did with your wife, but on a much smaller level. <laughs> much, much better that way. So um, is there a scenario where you abuse yourself and, and take corners off of your man card because she's making more than you? What if you were to go unemployed? What's, what's that scenario look like? So for a while, I let it affect me. I, uh, so back, I did door-to-door sales for like 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I went from being a number one salesman at Vivint in 2010 to being homeless in 2013. Mm -hmm. And when I was homeless, I came back and, you know, everyone was just saying, hey, get a job where there's no stress and whatever. So I went from making all this this great money to, you know, making 14, 15 bucks an hour. Uh And that was demasculating because I'm like. I'm like, I'm, I'm more, I'm so much more valuable than making 15 bucks an hour. I'm, I wasn't happy doing it. It was just, it was grunt work. And it was just felt like, it was just a black hole I was in. I, that I could, I would, did not enjoy life. I was super depressed and I hated it. And I always told her, I said, I need to be making more money. And she always say, it's not always, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. And for a while I, I made it about the money. But when I let go of saying, Hey, I have to make this amount of money to, to be this caliber of person when i let that belief go my life got a lot easier i mean i mean i make great money now but i'm self-employed so yeah it's a little different because all my jobs have my name on it i take a certain i take a pride in the product that i deliver to my customers yeah well and you're uh, certainly providing that here on this deck my goodness yeah <laughs> thank you, you I, I go out you know this is for the <laughs> listener i go out and i'm like oh what you doing now and then you're like well i'm Changing everything because I don't like how how squishy it was, and I'm like, dude, yeah, I probably wouldn't have even noticed. <laughs> um, so so let's let's talk about the rest of your man card. Uh, how how's it how's it doing? Where's it strong? Where's it weak? Um, I would say overall it's pretty strong. I mean, I I do just a couple simple things to you know to just be authentic to who I am and. One of the things I do is I don't compare myself to others. Right. That has never gotten me anywhere but besides create, you know, whether it's jealousy or envy. And so when I, when I consciously choose to just be authentic and true to who I am and I'm not worried about what anyone else is thinking about me, my, my life goes is so much better and so much easier. How long have you, have you always been in that place? No, no. I would say for probably... Would say since probably March or April of 2020, mm-hmm. and the reason I remember that is because I was in rehab for like the 16th time in my life, going through a tough stretch. Never thought I'd want to get sober again in my life, and uh, I just had a relationship. I just had an experience with uh, Jesus Christ that changed my life, and from that point, I've just I've been on a different level. It's been really cool. You're happier now. Way happier. Let's talk about when you weren't happier. You said 16th time. Oh, God, there was a stretch. So I went from being a number one salesman in Vivint to, you know, using drugs in the off season. I'd come home with a bunch of money, use drugs for, you know, four or five months. And then when we start to go out and sell again, I'd go out and sell again. And I'd make all this money. I'd come home and I would just have all this money. And I didn't, I, I, I wasn't creating more. I was just. You know, I was just coming home to relax, and I just found myself, you know, using drugs from September until April of the next year. And then, you know, I, I got to a point where I got really bad where when I went out for the summers, I just, my desire to do drugs was stronger than it was to work. Right. And when that happened, that's when I lost my job. You know, I was sent to rehab. I ran out of rehab back and forth, back and forth, being homeless and coming back because I was just... I wanted drugs more than I wanted anything else. And when that, when that was going on, that was, that was tough. It was tough to see the relationships that people that I loved and cared about me, 
they, you know, they were, they were keeping a distance because they didn't trust me. And I, and I get it. I'm like, okay, I can see why you, you would feel that way. But it was, it was tough to see like, you know, a lot of people in my life just leave my life, you know, and the, the ones that stuck around were, you know, my family and some of my close friends. How did that feel? What, what was a, uh, what was a day in the life of, what did that look like? Oh, God. Being home, being homeless, it looked like I was sleeping on a car seat, 13th South in Salt Lake, right behind the Lowe's. Um, I had, you know, 10 pairs of clothes on because the middle of winter. I, I went like two months without showering. If I could find a tooth, you know, when they were handing out free toothbrushes, I'd brush, brush my teeth once a week. Um, it just, it consisted of hustling during the day. When I mean hustling is there were a lot of people that were coming and looking for drugs. And if you bring, if you bring the people that are looking for drugs to certain guys, after you bring them so much business, they just they kick you down for free drugs. So it was just, it was just never ending hustle just trying to stay high because if I wasn't, if I didn't have the drugs, I was getting sick and even more depressed. And it seems like at least when I had that drugs, there was relief in my life for, 15, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours where I didn't care about all the stress. I didn't care about the anxiety. It's, everything was okay with me. Wow. Yeah. The, the hours where you were not high. Ah, very few, very few. I mean, it was like a, a constant thing. I guess when I you know, went to bed at night until I woke up the next morning. So from probably 2 a.m., 3 a.m. to... 7 a.m. when the train started driving by and woke me up 6 a.m. There's very, very few time where I, where I wasn't. In fact, most of the people that were homeless were, pretty, you know, high most of the day, almost every day. So what did the high do for you? I imagine it was an escape. Oh, uh, for sure it was an escape. It was just a way, you know, at the time I didn't realize it, but it was just, I was just so depressed in life. I could not believe I let myself go from here to like here like that quick it felt like it was that quick you know people in my life were telling me hey dude you're starting to slip you're starting to slip and i'm just like well f you man i don't want to i don't want to hear it and then all of a sudden i find myself in a really low spot i'm like i was beating myself up like how the heck did i allow myself to get to this point in my life okay that's what i want to talk about now is when you're beating yourself up you're lost uh how what did that do to you how'd you feel what were the emotions um I think more than anything, just jealousy. When I'd, when I'd walk on the street and I would see people that weren't, weren't completely miserable, you know, I'd just, I'd walk by a restaurant when I was homeless, guys would be sitting down to eat, just lunch with their friends. Right. I'd be like, man, that would be so nice to be okay to sit with a couple people and eat lunch. That would be cool. That would be like really cool because I was at a place where I was just miserable all the time. I just, I think even if I would have sat down and eat lunch, I would have still been just depressed and miserable. So I was just like, more than anything, it was a lot of envy. Just like, man, I wish that I had, you know, I wish that I could do this. You know, but a bunch of wishing, pretty mm -hmm. much, just stuck where I was at. Cause I think you what, mentioned uh, the word depression. Yeah, really depressed. Extremely depressed. In fact, I'd go to rehab and I'd get out and I was just so depressed. I just like, man, the only thing I know how to get rid of this depression is to use drugs. Is the drugs again. And that's short that was short-lived, and by choosing to use drugs again, it was like sacrificing the little bit I had left. It was like just throwing that away. Yeah, everything else. Every, everything else was just like gone. It's like, okay, if you want to do that, this is your consequences that you're bringing on yourself. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And for a while, you know, felt like it was worth it. You know, I ended up getting divorced because of it, uh -huh. which was actually a good thing for me because she was riding my roller coaster, and I didn't think it was fair to her to be with me when I was like this constantly. I was up, I was down, I was real down, then I was up. I was up when I was high, I was down when I wasn't. And she was just, you know, I was using every cent I had for her. I wasn't pitching in for bills and she's just like, I can't do this anymore. So I, I said, cool. So when we got divorced, it was actually a relief for me because now all of a sudden I don't have to worry about her anymore. Uh -huh. she's, she's on her own, she, you know, she can, she can deal with herself. She didn't have to not blame me, but I don't have to feel like I'm accountable for her anymore. Right. So in a, in a sense, it was a relief and it allowed me to sink lower, but I got to a point where I felt like I was in a rock and, oh man, and I was, just, I'm inside a rock and I can, it's like I'm in a mountain in a rock and I can see people walking by laughing and having fun and 
I wish that I could go out and and join them and have just have some joy in my life. And but I felt like I was just stuck in this rock. So it was really cool when I found a way to get out of that rock and actually start taking on my life and creating what I want to really create instead of making excuses and stay in victim mode to actually be accountable and say, Hey, I can do anything. I can do anything I choose to do. You were, you were, you were in victim mode and then you went to, I can, I can choose to do anything. I want. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just had an experience where, you know, I, I, I've seen who I am. And when I got to the point where I know, where I remembered who I am, it changed my life. So I was like, I was lost for many years. And then you used a term I've never heard before in a rock. You were not on the rocks. You were not under a rock. You were in the like rock. a cave. Like I could see, I could see a little hole out and I could see people walking by laughing, having fun. I feel like I'm stuck in this rock, just detached from the world. Uh -huh. But I wanted to be, you know, I had so much shame from what I was doing that I just didn't even want to reach out and connect with anyone because I was just so embarrassed about where I was at in life. You wanted to be connected, but you prevented yourself from being connected because you didn't like who you were. I had become help. What's the difference between the Colby then and the Colby now as far as how much you like yourself and how you see yourself? Oh, I just complete 180. Uh -huh. I mean, I went from not even being able to stand myself, could not even stand myself to actually loving myself. I mean, I would say that I'm in love with myself, which I think is a, is a key. A very to, good thing. Yeah. I think it's a key to my life. It's just and actually you, enjoying who I am. And <laughs> You actually said, you know who you are. And I would venture to say that high nineties percent of us, male and female, we don't know who we are. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with that. I heard a saying a long time ago, my wife went through this, like, this uh god it's a, tra it's a training and i'm sitting in this training and one of the things that came on was when you come to truly know who you are you will never hunger or thirst again and it just hit me really hard i was like that was really cool to hear that i was like man okay and then several months probably even a year later i ended up going through this training and just had I just all these experiences it was like you know, as crappy as my experiences was being homeless and all that, it was, it was perfect for me in a way that it all led up to where I am now. So I don't regret any of it. Uh -huh. In fact, I'm grateful I went through it because I am where I am now because of what I went through. Well, and uh, somebody reinforced to me the other day that we get the, the stuff that's in our lives because we have to learn it. And until we learn it, we're probably going to keep that stuff. Yeah. What was the difference? You said you went through rehab 16 times. What was the difference? What switch got flipped on opportunity number 16? Um, I don't, I was just, I don't know. The thing was, I was, I didn't want to go when I first initially went. It was kind of like I was in a corner and it was just like a little bit of pressure to go. And I was like, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything with my life. And I showed an ounce of willingness and I was like, okay. And I was probably in there for, I don't know, three weeks. And, you know, they're just, they, they do all these different trainings and they talk about addiction and things like that. And they say the, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. And that stuck with me. And then they have you do these, this, these paperwork, these packets to answer questions about yourself. And it's like, well, what's your biggest fear? And all these guys in there is like, oh, my biggest fear is death or this and that. I'm like, I'm not really scared of that stuff. Being honest, I wasn't scared of that stuff. I, mean, uh -huh. I, I was scared of being amazing. I was scared of being free. I was scared of just being able to accomplish anything I wanted to accomplish without any excuses. Uh -huh. That's what scared me is knowing I could do that, not stepping up to the plate and doing it. That's what scared me more than anything. There's a, a phrase my son had on his door a uh, number of years ago. It's, it was basically that. It's we're, we're, we're most afraid of being who we are, yeah. of being who we can be, who we should be. Our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate or something else, it's that we're powerful beyond measure or something like that. That, that thought came to my head and I said, yeah, that's it. That, that, that's, that, that's what I was scared of at that time. And now you have actually gotten there. Yeah. And I can think of a couple of reasons why I would argue that you've gotten there, but I'd like to hear yours. <laughs> Why I've gotten to where I'm at today? Yeah. How did you, what, what's your magic sauce for getting from the low rock that you were in 
to the place that you are now? Uh, I would just say I, I'm when I'd like to say I did it all myself, but that would that wouldn't be true. Like I had an experience. I don't know what anyone's beliefs are in here or whatever they call the universe, God, higher power, whatever. You be authentic to you. You okay, call it whatever. Okay, authentic to me like. was this It was just an experience I had with Jesus Christ, where I'm sitting in a rehab, and the spirit the spirit told me to think about Jesus Christ. So I did, and that quick I was healed completely from the inside out. Like all this baggage and stuff I wasn't even aware of that I was holding on was just gone, taken away. And I was just filled with this love that I'd never felt before in my life. And at that point I was like, whoa. And then I made it a point to just spiritually put myself in a spot where I was happy because I feel like that's the key for me with my spirituality. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's not religion. It's in the, whatever anyone wants, for me, it's my spirituality, my connection with myself, my connection with God, Christ, others. That, that's what I say is the biggest thing in my life. What advice would you give to your uh, drug-addicted self? Hang in there. Don't, okay. don't, even though you might feel like you're, you're losing all these things, you're really not. Hold tight and just know that it's all for a purpose. It's all for a purpose and it'll work out in its perfect timing. That's tough. Mm -hmm. That's that's really tough because I, I can only imagine that when you're uh, in that rock, hearing the words hang on, like, I can't do that. Yeah, because it was hard because I felt like these convictions I had before I started going through it, all of a sudden I start wanting to feel like some assurance that, you know, what I was so passionate or had such strong convictions of before, I just wanted some like confirmation that those are still true. And for a while, I just, I couldn't feel anything. I was just, I was numb. I just, I wanted to feel something and I couldn't. So I just, I felt lost. I was like, man, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to come back. That's the thing that was most depressing is everyone's like, oh, just do this because you're this. And I'm like, well, I don't feel like I'm that guy anymore. It just felt like it had changed me. And it wasn't until I had these experiences that had come back and was like, yeah, you're, you're, you're still this guy. You just... You know, you went through this hard time, but look what it's look what it's done for me. So, what did it do for you? What what did going through that teach you? Uh, it taught me that I can love myself no matter what. It taught me to hold on. It taught me to fight. That if I want things in life, I gotta fight for them. Life's not easy. Life is definitely not easy. Not all the time. There's there's things that are hard. And the hard times are okay, but easy times are okay. It just, I would just say it, it all works out. Mm -hmm. it, it all works out. So when I, no matter where I'm at right this second, I can, I can create through en envisioning, manifestation, just declaring, you know, just inviting things into my life that I want. And for a long time, I just lacked clarity. People would say, well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know. I had no clarity. I had no, I had no direction. And now I know where I'm going. It's a lot easier because I know where I'm going. So if I were to ask you the question now, uh, ask the, the Colby as of right now, what do you want to do? Uh, I want to continue to grow my family. I want to be more successful with my business. I want to keep growing in that aspect. I mean, as far as like financially, I've grown a lot. I never thought I would pay as much as we're paying for this house. If you told me a year ago we're paying this much for a house, I would have said, yeah, right. <laughs> that's that you know that's what the market is right now um i want to continue to spend time with my my family like right now we i live right next door to my parents and i never thought i'd want to live that close to them again but it's actually been really cool i go home and see my parents every day <laughs> and it's just like one of those things it's like you know i hear people that saying you know like later in life i got detached from my parents and then as there's a death or someone passed away i wish i would have spent more time with my parents and i just I don't want to look back my life and said, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have done this. Mm -hmm. I just consciously choose to do the things that I'm not, I'm going to erase all those questions at the end. So when, if something drastic did happen, I'm okay because I know, Hey, I, I spent time with them. I, I loved them. They know I loved them. Uh -huh. We've gotten, you know, 
there's been a lot of things we've both grown as like my relationship with my parents where my mom's eased up a lot. I've eased up in the way I treated her and we just get along a lot better now. I don't know if that come with age or it just comes with <laughs> just spending more time together. Finally, <laughs> both, yeah. both parties coming to a, a realization like, Hey, I am who I am and uh-huh. I'm going to do things how I want to do them. Uh-huh. I'll respect you, but just please like, you, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not 11 years old anymore. <laughs> yeah. You, I, I can, I can live next to you and I still may be your son. <laughs> But I'm still my own man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I can identify with that because my parents are both past now. And um, I understand that it's very common when you uh, when you have parents go, uh, well, when you have anybody go, that there's guilt. There's always guilt. So I thought, okay, I know my parents are on their way out. To my mom died first. And she had dementia. And uh, so I'd go over there and I had hairy arms and she'd pet my arms and tell me how my grandpa had hairy arms. And I go, yeah, mom. And this is story number 20. And I've heard this. <laughs> this is a rinse cycle repeat every three minutes. And, uh, and then we'd get past the hairy arms and then she'd say, well, how's the kidlets? And I'd uh, tell him a story about the kidlets. And then she'd pet my arm again. <laughs> And, and then it was, well, how's the kidlets again? And I didn't want to tell her the same story. So I, I, I made something up just to, just to not bore myself. Yeah, to yeah. Death. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> well, one of my daughters went to Asia last week, you know, and, um, at, but I knew just like you, that there would be a day when she would be gone and that I needed to spend some time with her so that I wasn't feeling that guilt. Yeah. Same thing happened with my dad, actually. You know, I'd take him. He didn't have dementia, but uh, he had dentures. And that was worse. (laughs) So I'd take him. He had this deal, like, if you come to my house and if you take me somewhere to eat, I'll pay. So that was what he wanted, just to be taken out of the house. And so I didn't want to spend a lot of time. So we went to the local KFC. (laughs) It was a mile down the road. (laughs) and he'd sit there across the table from me and just spit food every every 15 seconds over onto my plate (laughs) man this is painful (laughs) oh man but i did that enough that i i avoided having that guilt yeah and i'm sure that you know he I can't imagine waking up in the morning, especially as a man, and having nothing to do and watching the clock spin until it's time to go to bed. That, to me, there is no greater torture. I, I would have to agree with you on that, for sure. So I felt like I gave him that service that he needed and requested. Um, what, um, when you were down, when you were in that rock, who'd you go to? No one. Absolutely no one. I just, I didn't feel like I could really talk. It's not that I didn't feel like I could talk to him. I just, I wasn't willing to be vulnerable. I kind of felt like I had nothing to give. Who, who wants to listen? Who, who, first off, who, excuse me, who wants to hang out with someone that's, that's doing drugs all the time? That's in a rock. Yeah. I, I didn't even want to hang out with myself. How can I expect someone else to want to hang out with me? So there was a lot of that going on and I just, grinned and bared it you know i just did the best i could i didn't have i didn't have an outlet i didn't even want an outlet <laughs> at that point right. in my life now that you've changed uh, i'm going to guess that probably hasn't changed a lot i mean you don't have a dozen people that you could go talk to about hard stuff no i have um my wife first off is absolutely amazing i can talk to her about anything you know even even difficult conversations i never thought i'd want to have with anyone I can talk to her and she is fantastic at creating a, just a safe space for me to talk where there's no judgment. I said, listen, I just need you to listen for a second. I don't want you to say anything. Just this, this is what's going on. This is what I need to talk about. And she'll just listen and she'll ask me questions. She doesn't try to give me feedback. She just listens and asks questions. And then when that's done, it's like this, just this weights off my shoulders. I'm like, okay, it was really as easy as this being vulnerable with someone and, and talking out what I was feeling. And then it 
poof, it was gone. I was like, oh, is it really that easy? And it, and it was, but yeah, you're right. I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of people I do that with. I do it with my wife. I've got a guy that, uh, that I work with. His name's Danny, Danny Shepard, D Shep. We call him. Uh-huh. I talk to him. He's, he's one of my best friends. He's, yeah, he's probably my, he's probably my closest friend to have right now. And I, we've had some, we've had a lot of just really deep talks where we're both just, we're both in tears. We're just talking about real life things because we've known each other for 15 years. Yeah. But I would say outside of those two people, a couple, I mean, there's bits and pieces I could share with people in my family, but there would be, uh, there would be, it would be filtered to a degree. Like I wouldn't be able to go as real, as raw as I wanted to. Uh huh. So it, with that in my life, probably two people. I was uh, just down in Southern Utah the last, uh, the first part of this week. It's a Thursday today, right? Yeah, it's a Thursday. And I was down there uh, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, came back Wednesday. Talked to a friend of mine who I had invited down, and he had listened to the first couple of manalizing uh, episodes uh, that are this format, where it's just me and you. And he goes, he came up all... Somble, somble, not humble, somber, <laughs> somble. And he says, he apologized from the bottom of his heart. He says, I realize now that 20 years ago, you came to me trying to talk. And at the time, he owned a glass shop. And it was his routine to be installing glass while he was answering the phone. And so here comes me, and I want to talk about a divorce. And I could tell I was in third place. I mean, I'd showed up during business hours to his place of business. What else could I expect? And so he would, uh, he said, and I, I'd forgotten about this, but he said that uh, I'd asked him about, um, you know, my divorce issues, and he'd given me terse answers, and then he, he got back on the phone with some other ringing customer. And he goes, man, I apologize. I realize what I did to you. And I was, uh, last thing I was going to do was give him a hard time. A, us dudes don't do that. B, I showed up during business hours for him. I should have, and C, I didn't say, look, this is huge for me and I need your time. So I set him up for failure. And D, I didn't have that great of a of a relationship with at the time. I'd, you know, it's not like we we were hanging out with each other every week. It had been months since I since I'd talked to him, but he was the closest person that I had at the time. So I couldn't blame him. I I let him off the hook when he was talking to me. I said, Yeah, I I would have done the same thing to you at the same time. I'm sure. So. Um, that's just kind of the man world that we have. I feel like if you've got two people, you're winning the game. How'd you do it? I, I wouldn't even tell you how I did it other than just people that I've just trusted in my life and Mm -hmm. kept the relationships alive. In fact, he's one of the guys that when I was homeless, it was, I, I, occasionally I'd run into him. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, every, like once every two years I'd, I'd run it. I, he'd see me on the road and he'd come and stop and talk to me. So he, and he was always a guy like, you know, you know, I was jumping, I was, had like 10 different cell phone numbers in a year because I couldn't pay my phone bill. So he, he would track down my number and he'd actually be a guy to call me up and check on me say, Hey, how you doing, man? I just wanted to let you know, I was thinking about you. So he he was one of those guys. How I did it, I don't I don't know. I just I've been extremely blessed to have. This is a high quality dude. Oh, for sure, for sure. I've been I just been blessed to have people like that in my life. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think that's probably one of life's keys is having somebody like that, and in many cases we kind of exclude our wives. Um. Because, you know, we don't want to damage the relationship. Maybe we just had an argument. Maybe it's, you know, it's very easy in a marriage to uh, make things rocky and not trusting. And the last thing you want to do is give her more ammo to shove back in your face. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. I used to be really closed off with my wife. In fact, we'd been married for like 
at this point, like six years. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't even know if I've ever been like truly intimate with this woman I'm with. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't even know if she has, she had seen parts of who I am, but never all of who I am. And I was like, man, not only am I ripping myself off, I'm ripping her off. Yeah. You said truly intimate. I just felt like, you know, we, 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 we had we'd have sex, but it wasn't like I don't know. It's just I I don't know how to explain it other than I wasn't giving her all of who I am. I was guarded. I don't know if that came from you know getting cheated on earlier in life and just putting up that wall like, hey, I don't want to go through that pain again. Uh-huh. So I'm going to have a wall this big, and you know when it starts to get close, it's going to be this big. Mm-hmm. But I've learned as I built put that wall up. I'm ripping myself off from experiencing the connection that I truly desire. And I'm ripping everyone else off. That's wanting to connect with me. Have you considered, you said you got cheated on. Um, why'd that happen? 17 years old. You know, I lost my virginity to this girl. I thought I was just madly in love with this girl. I would have done anything for this girl to slide on cloud nine. <laughs> she cheats on me. I'm like, I remember when she cheated on me. I remember right then I said, okay, I was devastated inside. I wasn't going to let her see that. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. And I remember I put up this wall and at that point on, I just used her to have sex. I didn't, I didn't care about her anymore. I was like, okay, that part's done. And I, and I, and I used her. And I think that is, I think more of anything, it became habitual to just guard myself from being that vulnerable again. I didn't like to go through that pain. Right. But as I've gotten more and more in life, I said, by keeping that wall up, it's keeping my relationships, you know, if you could base a relationship on a scale one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the best, it's keeping my relationships at like a four Four. or five. Yeah. When when really I want a 10 because I want to show up authentic and unique and I don't want to you know, let if, if I'm rejected by someone, I don't want that. I don't want to allow myself to base my self-esteem on what someone else thinks about me. That is a new flavor of what I call the roommate syndrome. <laughs> so, so basically, I think for a lot of us guys, we feel like uh, we go from being happily married to roommate syndrome, which basically means no sex, and then we're just a team and we take turns changing diapers, but we are really no closer than any other roommates would be. Yeah, I, I know. I told my we've I've had con- conversations with my wife. I said, man, when we get to a point where we're not having sex at least three, four times a week, like, uh-huh. just know we're gonna we're gonna talk about it, and I'm gonna talk about it with you. I don't want you to take any offense, but that's important to me. Like for me as a man, for me myself, I can speak for myself. I can't speak for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like being physical is really important for me. I, that uh, is my love language right there. <laughs> That's a lot of our love languages. And I, uh, I remember my first uh, marriage, I'd complain long and loud and, um, I, I twisted and turned and tried to find something that would work. And she finally said, well, that's your cross to bear. Oh man. And I held on to that one, um, until well into the divorce. And she, she said something about well, I want this and this. And I said, well, that's your cross to bear. <laughs> I let her know I remembered that phrase. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be tough. I mean, my wife is just so cool. I don't, from, from where, where I'm at now, my relationship's completely different than where, you know, I, I feel like me and my wife, we got married again. We got divorced. We got married again. You um, married the same woman again? Yeah, I married the same woman again. It's, I loved her. She, you know, was going through me and all my addiction and stuff was a blessing for her. She's told me she's so grateful that, that I went through that for her because she feels like I did it for her. And I was like, okay, cause she stepped up when we first got married. I felt like I was on a different level than her. I felt like I was higher. I was kind of like trying to bring her up to my level mm-hmm. cause I felt not that I was better than her, but I was just on a different level than her. Right. And then when I was going homeless and she was like, kept going up and I was going down, I'm like, man, I'm not, she's what she's on a different level than me. Right. But I, I, there was things I missed about her like crazy, and I was like, you know, this is the this is the girl that I want. It's her. That's uh, that's an important thing that you learned. I love that you said, and I can't let this go without uh, noticing it out loud. You said that when you come to her, she listens, yeah, and asks questions. Mm-hmm. And so I think important. 
so important. Yeah, I think that's probably the recipe because if and what us guys get accused of all the time is trying to fix our women. <laughs> yeah, right. So she comes and says, you know, I have this nail in my head and we immediately go to, well, take it out. <laughs> and and that just pisses them off. Oh, and and so, you know, I guess the uh, the thing that we got to do is what she did, listen and ask questions. Oh, tell me about that nail in your head. How much does it hurt? You know? Yeah. And I guess there is a, a level, there are some couples who've worked something out where it's like, do you want me to listen or do you want me to fix? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then you know what you what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, babe, I'm not a mind reader. That's what I tell her all the time. Like, I know you like want me to do these things, but like, I'm like, seriously, it's not that I'm not in tune with you, but like, I'm not a mind reader. So just, just tell me in simple terms uh -huh. and then we'll be on the same page. But as far as like, <laughs> hoping that someday I'll just figure all this stuff out, it's probably not going to happen. Just being real with <laughs> But uh, that might be, that might be the recipe though, is, you know, and us guys, of course, a, a woman can, is always just going to default to listening. Mm. And so they're, they've got all these skill sets that we just don't have. Um, you know, if I told you I had a nail in my head, you'd pull, pull it out and I'd be grateful. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't need to be telling you about how much it hurt me or, or which ventricle it's, it's stabbing, you know? Um, but I, I, sounds like that's probably one of the reasons why she's magic for you Yeah, is because she listens and asks questions. There's no, there's no fix there. There's no, well, here's what you should do. Uh, that sounds like a pretty good woman. She's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think us dudes, you know, if we don't have that toolbox, I mean, that's not even toolbox, a toolbox that we know exists. <laughs> we don't have any tools in it. Well, just, just for me to be able to pinpoint the emotion that I'm feeling uh -huh. has been like something that I've had to learn. Like I, for a while, I was like, well, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm okay. Well, what, what does okay mean? I don't know, like I'm not crazy high, but I'm not crazy low. I'm just kind of like in the middle. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, that, that was my scope. Of, and I think just generally speaking, women are a lot more in tune with how they feel than, than I, than, definitely than I am. I'm going to call for all guys, but definitely in me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm bad. You know, th th the three emotions that I would describe. <laughs> and now, now I'm a little bit more in tune with myself. I am anxious. Yeah. I'm stressed. I'm pushing things. I can slow back. I'm just more in tune with me spiritually and, because there's signs all around me all the time. My body's going to tell me, hey, this is what you need, or my mind, or, you know, or my spirit. They, they all work in unison. They're going to tell me what I need. They're going to they're gonna show me the way. I just got to be in a, a frame of mind, not even a frame of mind, but a willingness to listen. Yeah. And then things work out. Me today, I'm working on that as well. Like, I've got uh, trees in the front yard that, uh, you know, she decided that we needed to have trees in the front yard. And, Yay, let's go pay $1,500 and get some trees. And then it's, and then I got to freaking water those things routinely until I get a sprinkler system in. And then I start the sprinkler system and then it's, well, I need a valve. I need, you know, the, the funny pipe. I got to have the little poker that goes to the small ones. I got to have adapters. How am I going to kink the ends? Is that going to be enough? And then I finally, after like six trips to Home Depot to keep getting parts, uh, now I've got one more part that I have in the Jeep and I've, I've got a, and that's an adapter that goes from the valve box to the, I'm going to call it funny pipe, but the soaker hose. Okay. And I got that one more thing on and the thought of putting that thing on in the heat just pisses me off <laughs> because I've been out there so many times in the heat. I mean, you can handle it. You're, you're a manly man. <laughs> uh, but the thought of just doing that just makes me mad. And all she has to do is mention trees or sprinklers or water. And I'm just <laughs> red zone, <laughs> red zone. <laughs> and, uh, she'll come down and, you know, start talking. And I, all this time I'm thinking I need to get the trees. I need to get the trees. I'm tired of watering. I hope I have the part right. I need to find out and I need to get the trees. And she keeps talking and I, uh, and then I go to Gurr having her done nothing at all. But I don't mention that I'm just being stressed out and pissed off because all I can think about is that freaking part yeah. and the trees. Uh -huh. So we do that. And I guess the answer to that is mention how we feel. What a strange concept. 
completely foreign to me because growing up, you know, I wasn't in a family where I ever saw my dad talk about how he felt. You know, I knew when he was mad because he was yelling. Uh-huh. I knew when he was happy because he was smiling. Uh-huh. But as far as like sitting down and being taught about just like basic things, I mean, I look at my mom and just, I don't know, I just, I saw their relationship. Yeah, I was never taught like, this is how you have a relationship with a woman. I'm like, my dad never taught me that stuff. I, I saw things, but I was never like, Hey, this, you know, my mom would be like, Hey, open doors for women. So, okay. I was like, all right, I can do that. So she taught me, you know, kind of how to treat a woman, but it didn't come from like watching my dad treat my, you know, be with my mom. It was just growing up. There was just a lot of just disconnect. It was just, uh, it was just this triangle, you know, we, we'd go to church and we'd be taught about these things. Then my mom would be little, my dad in front of the family. And I'd get mad at my mom for doing that. I'm like, we just learned in church. You shouldn't be doing that. What, What are you doing? My dad would get mad at me for getting mad at my mom. She'd get mad at him for getting mad at me. And it was just this triangle. Uh huh. And I felt like I was the only kid that would actually stand up and say how I was feeling. So I took a lot of the, of the, whatever, the whiplash, not even the whiplash, but a lot of the, just the attention went on me, even though it was negative. I was like, well, I'm the only one that's going to say it. We just learned this thing. Like, why, why can't you just treat them with respect? Are you the oldest? Second oldest. Okay. The oldest was gone at the time? Uh, no, 11 months older than me. He was, he was more quiet growing up. Uh-huh. I was kind of, I was a louder one and just whatever came to mind, I would say it. Had no shame. No, just, I was just, it just did me. I was, you know, I was a kid. I was pure. I was just, whatever came to mind, whatever I wanted to do, I did it. Right. I had a great childhood. I mean, take away that, my childhood was great. You know, I hear stories of some of the, you know, what people are going through nowadays. I'm like, God, that sucks. What do you want on your gravestone? Uh, I want great father and husband. That's probably the most important thing in the world is being a good dad and, and husband. I remember doing a home inspection because that's been the day job for so many years. When I was in front of a house and across the street, I heard a couple yelling at each other and he bounces out the front door and says, whatever I do isn't ever good enough for you. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he jumps in the car and storms off at 90 miles an hour down this neighborhood. Uh, I have thought about that a number of times. And I think what he was saying is whatever I do is never good enough for me. You know, no matter how much money he makes, probably in this case, it wasn't going to be enough to keep them fed and clothed and happy. Um, what do you tell that guy? Yeah, that's tough, man. I would, I would tell him that. I, I think it kind of goes both ways because I think I, I've, I have friends that, that make great money, but they work a lot. And then their, you know, their wife is saying, Hey, I want you home more. He's like, I know you want me home more, but you also love the things that we're able to do with the money that I'm making. Right. There, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a compromise. One or the other. If I'm home more, then we got to notch down our lifestyle a little bit uh-huh. and you know it seems like that's the story i'm hearing from these guys is the women want they want it both ways and i'm like it doesn't happen both ways so i'm just i'm grateful my wife's not like that uh-huh. it would be hard to be in a situation where it was like that because my wife when i get home at night she's like hey i just want to thank you for working so hard and my my guys that work with me they don't understand it because their wives are calling them, hey, where are you at come home i want you home I'm like no my wife just she supports me and maybe that's because you have communication and she asks you questions and then listens. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're all, we're on the same team and as we've gotten closer and, you know, I know that she's my person. She knows that I'm her person. It's just, it's easier, but there's got to be a willingness uh, both ways, you know? Yeah. And I, I suspect, and this isn't going to be the answer for everyone, but I suspect that if she asks you questions about why you're gone so much and then listens and then you tell her why, and then you communicate and then she buys into whatever choice you both make, that's probably going to be a little easier. Way easier. I know uh, a kid uh, pretty well who's about 30, and he got a job selling cars, and he's doing very well. And he got promoted, and he's doing very well at that. He's making about 200000 a year. Way out of earning me, and I'm... <laughs> I'm comfortable with where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, just a few days ago, she was home with a brand new baby who's having some medical issues and a child who's uh, 
three, four-ish, who was sick, and a five-year-old who was bored out of his mind. And she goes, when are you coming home? And he, and he was at work doing absolutely nothing. And he was working nine to nine and he couldn't help her. And that's tough. That is tough. So now he's looking to go from a $200,000 a year job to a 60 to 80. That's what he's looking for because that's what they want. Mm -hmm. And I guess as long as you do that listen thing, then that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is the point where I have uh, one final question. Okay. Who are you really? I am a powerful, creative, inspiring, loving, authentic spirit being of light. And as such, my eternal purpose is to bring kindness, empowerment, and truth so that peace, love, joy, acceptance, forgiveness, and abundance lives throughout the world. Dang, we could uh, start the podcast and do another one on that. <laughs> is that, um, is that, what kind of training is that that got you there? Um, well, it's this training up in Salt Lake called Impact Training. But like, I, I get to choose my creation statement and it, you know, it can, it can vary because I'm more than just those things. I feel like I'm like all the positive things. Like I could go on and on of the list of the the things I am, I'm courageous, I'm kind, you know, I could, the, the list goes on and on. But whenever I, you know, I'm going through a hard time, I just repeat who I am and what my purpose is. And it's just like this weight is lifted. It just hones me back in. I'm like, okay, it's okay. I got this. Okay. So I got here. I'm going to confess right now. You said I'm a blah, blah, blah of light, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, those are all good words. But I, then I heard of light. You know, it's kind of like uh, Charlie Brown and the, the school teacher <laughs> rah, 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 of light. <laughs> Why did you pick of light? Um, because I feel like I am. I know that I am light. I'm light. I am love. I'm kindness. I'm truth. I'm honor. I'm abundant. <laughs> Yes. Yes, you are. You know, you, you can, you run into people on occasion who, you know, there's, there's a light there. Yeah. And, uh, from my very weird twisted point of view, you don't expect a contractor to be a man of light. <laughs> <laughs> we all are when it comes down to it. I believe every person on this earth uh -huh. is a spirit being a light. Yes, we are. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, thank you for listening to this Manalizing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, here's my invitation. Join us. Join Manalizing. Manalizing.com. Lift and be lifted. Help other men and allow other men to help you. Let's do this together. We look forward to meeting you. Manalizing.com.